Well, how we doing over there on the Make community? Trevor DeVage on the microphone today. It is uh, it is the Monday of Easter week when we're recording this, and I got all sorts of fun surprises in the room with me right now. First of all, I just have people in the room with me, which is kind of nice. Um, Dylan, you're in person. You're here. Am I? You are in the room, man. Like I'm not looking at. Like usually, I've got you set up where you normally sit on the Zoom screen, and it's the saddest setup on the planet. I'm in here by myself, and. Usually with these weird lights on and just in the, in the dark. and I mean, you normally talk to yourself anyway, so it's not much different, right? Well, I, I, I think I'm hilarious when I'm by myself, so <laughs> <laughs> it works well. And then on the other side of me, I've got Rebecca Hamlin with us, and um, this is like your third time on. Fourth time? It third is. Time? Repeat offender. She yeah. is a repeat offender in our, in our world now, which we, we love. We love that you're on. Um, so Dylan, talk to us about San. You're in San Diego now, San Diego, ah, San Diego, um, and you sent me a text before you flew in here today. Yeah, I, so I you, literally just got off a plane. You sent me a text from San Diego this morning. Yeah, um, and it it said pre gaming for the podcast, and you were at James Coffee this morning. Yes. Um, That's a special thing because so James Coffee in San Diego has a few different locations, and I've been to them all. They're all great, um, but. The one that I like the most is in Little Italy, and it's right under the flight line into the airport. Yep. So it's right next to it, and if you like aviation, if you like planes, I'm a nerd for coffee and planes, so it's really cool to sit there, have a cup of coffee, and then just like feel the planes shake the building as it flies over. Yeah. That's a fun experience. You know, it's really interesting. There's nothing James in front of me right now. It's weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was so sad. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you have a sticker from a different coffee shop. I, I do. I do. You brought gifts. We'll talk about those gifts later. Um, and, and Rebecca, you're on today. You you preach this weekend. Yes. And um, I, I said this to you yesterday. I said it from stage, uh, and I mean it. It was, it was my favorite Palm Sunday message I've ever heard. Um, it was so well done. It was so well put together. Um and, and then just the arc of the story, you, you told it from a perspective. I'm not sure I've heard it given on Palm Sunday before. Uh, Dylan, you were engaged yesterday online with us. Yeah, I watched the 6 p.m. online. Uh, so your, your thoughts on that message yesterday as well? It, it was a really fun, different take. I mean, you could have taken the very vanilla, like you said, approach to Palm Sunday, but it was, it was different. I really appreciated the different perspective on it. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Uh, and the fact that the donkey you had on the center screen... <laughs> Maybe the greatest image I've ever seen on our screen. Me and Melissa were watching it, and she blinked, and she's like, did the donkey get bigger? I was like, yes, yeah. oh, the yeah, donkey it, did it, get it, bigger. It, like, <laughs> it, was, it started here, there was like, boom. And I was like, <laughs> in both hours, there was like a collective, like, it was like a wave of laughter. It started with like, wait, that's hilarious. And then it just got funnier <laughs> as it moved forward. Yeah. And I have to give a shout out to Christine uh, on the production team, because I did ask her for a picture of a donkey, a ridiculous picture of a donkey, but she came up with that idea to zoom it's in. So and, and it so fit. What's great is, is when you said the word donkey the second time is when it zoomed in right as you said it. And it was so like, it, I think it was a little planned, but it was... It was so perfect. It was like, boom. Well, what was really funny to me watching online, at least, was it. there was like, no one really knew if they could laugh at it at first <laughs> until you said it again and it zoomed in. I was like, oh, this this yeah. is okay to laugh at. Well, if you don't laugh at a donkey <laughs> making the face that donkey exactly. was making, you don't you don't have a sense of humor. I mean, there's, just, there's nothing to laugh at. Uh, but walk us through a little bit, uh, Rebecca, just how you got to the place you got to on this Palm Sunday message, because I know you wrestled with it a little bit. Um, and, and it's funny cause a lot of people ask me, what's your guys' process? I'm like, we're actually pretty far out. And so, um, and, and typically you're in the schedule once every, I don't know, six, seven weeks, um, which probably even gives you a little more time, which sometimes is a blessing, sometimes yeah. is a curse. Like yeah. you got so much time. Um, but walk us through the process, how you got to that message yesterday and, and unpack that a little bit with us. Yeah. The, you know, you and I probably met about three to four months ago to talk about Palm Sunday and Easter. And I was really excited to preach Palm Sunday. I think part of what that was about was I, I feel like in our faith tradition, in the evangelical church, part of, of maybe my critique generally is that we have sometimes gotten so creative that we've gotten away from some things that I think are really important. And Palm Sunday was one of those things. And so I was excited to feel like we could get back to this. I shared this yesterday, but I don't remember ever 
hearing a Palm Sunday teaching. And I've been in, in church my entire life. I asked my husband, he said the same. So I, it's not a common practice to preach Palm Sunday, um, but I think that it, it's really rich. It feels really meaningful. So that was the first thing I wanted to do was just kind of get back to the basics to provide our, our church, our community with some foundation of all the events leading up to Easter. And I, I think the second piece as I began to pray about it was, um, you know, I think we do a good job around Christmas time of, of really using December to prepare our hearts for Christmas. But Easter's always kind of remained this weird one-off. And I felt like there was an opportunity a couple of years ago, our church, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but started the Friday, the Good Friday experience. And that is, that is an incredible experience. Um, however, I, I felt like there was more that we could do to really uh, look at and consider and reflect on the depth of Holy Week. And so I, I felt really excited about the opportunity uh, to kind of kick off Holy Week, to give our church, our faith community, an opportunity to really recognize the depth of the sacrifice of Christ and, and what that really represents. So that's kind of that was kind of my goal is to really get back to some of the basics and then and really provide a, a kickoff to Holy Week that felt really meaningful for our community. Yeah, and I think it did just that. I mean, Dylan, any thoughts you have from from the weekend? I I mean, like I said, it was a really not not in a bad way, just a really good way of a different outlook on Palm Sunday. I really like, uh, you know, you said Jesus was forcing his identity, and in doing so, he was forcing a decision. Yeah, and that's not something that people really look at a lot or even talk about a lot. And even just how you phrase it of "crown me or kill me." And that's like, that's kind of what it's boiled down to in its essence. Um, yep. So I, I, I really. That's such a good phrase though. Uh, Cause it's true. Either crown me or kill me. And he knows it's not going to be the crown, Yeah, you know? And it, it it's, it was this beautiful, like, I, I love how you balance the, the intensity of the moment of Palm Sunday with a little bit of levity. Um, it, you know, I had, I had somebody yesterday that was like, I don't think we should, we should joke about things in church. I was like. <laughs> Okay, well, this podcast is probably not for you. You probably he's probably not listening to this. But I, I, I literally was like, "Why is that?" He goes, "I remember the depravity I came out of, and I don't want to remember that." And I was like, "That's why I laugh because I know the depravity I came out of, and that's why I have joy. That's why I, I think Jesus is hilarious. I think he does some really funny stuff. Um, I also think you know the fact that he he does ride out on donkey. It, It wasn't meant to be a levity riding the donkey, but it it had to be so absurd to the people watching. Yes. Like it was, Jesus brought an absurdity to this moment and go, I'm going to show you how absurd this is. And out of the absurdity is what you're going to be saved. Um, which I think is a little bit of beauty in our own journey, right? Like it's absurd that I've been saved. Um, it, I, at least I know for me personally, I'm sure you guys feel yeah. that way too. Like there's a, there's an absurdity. There's no reason I should be saved. This is so absurd that I get God's grace. Um, and Palm Sunday kind of ushers that in of what the absurdity really is. Uh, I read, uh, I was thinking about this after the message yesterday, and then um, there's a guy, uh, Rich Viedos, um, great speaker. And he, He's amazing. Did you see his post yesterday on Palm Sunday? Yes, yeah. Was I was great. like, where was that like three weeks ago, right? You know, um, But he said this, he says, the palms we wave and the hosannas we shout speak to our real human desire for liberation. Uh, but also our human propensity to control the means of salvation. And this is because he's talking about why do we wave palm branches? And he said 150 years prior to Jesus, uh, Judas Maccabeus led the Jewish people to victory over a dynasty. And he said, after leading them to victory, the crowd celebrated by waving palm branches. Mm-hmm. And to commemorate the victory, Judas, he was known as Judas the Hammer, which sounds like he was in the WWE. What a right? name. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's. If I could be called Trevor the Hammer, that's pretty fun. Um, but it said he stamped an image of palm branches into the coins to symbolize victory for the Jewish people over their oppressors. So 150 years later, when the Jewish people are under foreign rule again, they wave palm branches in the air and wave them like they just don't care. I think that's funny. Um, shouting Hosanna, which means save us now. And um, so they're saying something significant to Jesus. In effect, they're saying, rescue us, do it like it's been done before. Yeah. But then he says, but Jesus rescues us in ways we, we often don't understand through the surprise and apparent powerlessness of the cross. On Palm Sunday, the crowds wanted deliverance from the power of Rome, but Jesus was about to deliver the entire world from the power of sin and death. Um, and what a beautiful image. Well, you know? what you just said, like Jesus does things in ways that we don't understand or expect. Right. And I think that's I think that's indicative of like our entire relationship with Christ is like, he does things like I'm really glad he does things in ways that I don't 
understand or anticipate because if everything happened the way that I thought it should, we'd all be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I learned something interesting today as we're going into this Holy week. Um, you know, we've got good Friday, right? Which is the, the crucifixion of Jesus. Um, I didn't, I didn't realize I was reading this, uh, the American journal of health did a, a, this story in 1986 about the crucifixion of Jesus. And it was like, they've got images of what the flogging would have looked like. All, so the word excruciating, I didn't know this, actually came because of the cross, because of crucifixion. Wow. Um, they actually had to make up a word because nobody could describe the pain of crucifixion. So excruciating means um, the way of the cross. Hmm. And I'd never heard that before. And I'm like, maybe I'm the only idiot on the planet that has no idea that's what that means. But um, that it literally means the way of the cross. Um, and and I thought about that in the context of Palm Sunday. Jesus knows in this moment he's going he's going to go to the place where they're going to invent a word because of the brutality of what he's going to go through. And uh, I just don't know if we understand the gravity of that. I, I know I don't sometimes. Like I miss the gravity of that. Well, and tied to that, Rebecca, yesterday, like you did it in kind of like a a way of levity, which I appreciated. But like at the same time. There's that moment, like, because scripture says he was fully God and fully man. So there has to be that moment where he's like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't, I don't have, I don't have to do this. Like I could, I could not. And your whole thing was like, oh, I left my keys. Like I, I got to go back and get them. I'll catch up with you guys later. So like, I just, I can't help but imagine that there was a moment in that, that walk where it's like, I, I could not, Yeah. but instead I'm going to go to this place where there is going to be a word made up to describe what I'm about to go through. Yeah. It's intense. It is. It's so intense. There's so many opportunities. I think that was really eye-opening to me to be reminded of the fact that it was an eight-hour hike, an eight-hour trek, that he had unlimited opportunity to really reflect on what he was about to do. Yeah. Well, and we talked about this in Run Through this last week. Um, Being being in Israel a couple years ago, you're, you're at the Garden of Gethsemane in the top of the Mount of Olives. Like, Jesus sees them coming, has time to run when he's in the garden. Like, if you stand in the Garden of Gethsemane, you're looking up at old Jerusalem at the wall, the gate that they would have come with the soldiers to arrest him in the garden, he would have had more than enough time to escape into the forest of Jericho and never been found again. And he willingly stands there and lets him come to him. Mm. And so you go like all these opportunities for him to jump ship and he's like, okay, I'm in. Like, But I do like that in the garden, he's like, hey, if there's any other way. Yeah, he's still yeah. reflecting, right? Yeah, Thinking, is there an yeah. option? Is, is there an opportunity? Well, isn't that the humanity of Jesus, though? I was going to say, that's, that's like highlighting the humanity. Yeah, I mean, Jesus experiences agony, joy. He cries. He's angry. Like, all these different times. The humanity of Jesus is what relates to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I'm not divine, so I don't understand the divinity piece, but I do understand the humanity piece. And I understand I would have been in the garden going, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to need you to do something else. Because uh, I've seen how these things go, and I, I'm not sure I can do it. Yeah, but he was like, "Not my will, your will be done." Uh, it it's powerful on so many levels. Well, and us, like we obviously, like you said, like we live fully in the humanity side of that. Yep. So I don't think. I mean, I'm I'm the first to raise my hand and say I'm guilty of it. We don't say that often enough. Like, not my will, but your will. Like he oh. has he has the divinity to say, "Not my will, but your will," and we have way too much of the humanity in us. To oh, mine's say, always not your will, mine. Right. Like, like I'm, I'm out. Like I, I don't want pain. If there's I, any other way, I would like that way. And I'm going to keep praying. If there's any yeah. other way, I'd like that way until you do something. I pray every day to the gym. Not, I don't want to do, do this. this. I'm about to go put myself in pain. Who <laughs> like, and not today, like for the next two days, like I'm not gonna be able to walk tomorrow. Um, you know, but I think that's the, the beauty of Palm Sunday too. You have an entire group of people that they're screaming Hosanna because they think liberation is coming like from an oppressive government. And it's just so not what they were expecting. Um, I'll ask you an interesting story from the from the story of Palm Sunday because there's stuff that hits the cutting room floor that mm-hmm. we don't preach. Yeah, we've got there's a lot. we've got this much time and we've got this much material, right? Uh, nobody could see me do that. Uh, I said a little bit of never mind. You're still um, doing it. I'm still doing it. Yeah, I'm still giving a vim, an image that nobody can see. Um, what did what didn't make it on stage this weekend that you wish you'd have had more time to unpack? Yeah, that's that's a great question. One of the things was um, just the humility of Christ riding in on a donkey. I think you know we do- definitely talked about the paradox of it, but I, there I think it represents Christ's humility, and and there was a point in that as well. I think it was the fulfillment of the prophecy, which I was able to talk about. But I think what it represent 
what it represented in Christ's humility was was really really significant. Um, you know, the other thing that I I thought a lot about and 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 when I was doing some research, really um, considered marinated on is like in Jesus forcing the issue. And I, I felt like that was interesting because when I read Palm Sunday, sometimes it does feel like happenstance. It just feels like this sort of coincidence, the scene kind of occurred out of nowhere. But actually, one of the things that I, when I was studying it, it, this idea that Christ was actually always really humble, but he was not modest. He understood who he was. He understood exactly mm. what his calling was and what his purpose was. And everything kind of led up to this moment, this pivotal moment. And, and it was all kind of for this reason. And so this idea that Christ, sometimes we think, like maybe he was unaware, but he, that that's not actually true at all. He he was he was very very humble in terms of his relationship with others, but but he was not modest in terms of what he understood to be his calling, who he was called to be. That he, that he was God, that he uh, was going to be the savior of the world. Well, that's what got him killed. Absolutely, it wasn't the miracles. It wasn't the stuff. Yep. It was when he's asked, it, "Who are you?" What, yes. Yeah, and he was like, "I'm the Messiah." And he finally stopped refuting it. Right. 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 Well, the first couple of times people guess, and he's like, no, don't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> the last couple of times he doesn't even say, he just keeps quiet. Yeah. Um, and ultimately him claiming messiahship, that's that's what took him to the cross because now he's a threat to the the religious political elites. And, uh, you know, that's, the, that's where it gets really interesting. He's in complete control. And yes. he didn't say, I'm like the messiah. I'm like God. He... He is saying, I am. Yeah. Well, well, and to your point, like that is Palm Sunday. What's happening is like, it's what you said yesterday. It's all coming to a head. Mm-hmm. Like finally, like he's saying like, it's time, it's time. It's me. I'm the Messiah. Yep. And that like, that's what, that's what did it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the ta-da moment. It's like, all right, here it is. Yeah. Like I, I've been the last three years of my ministry is culminating to this moment. Yes. And it's always yeah. started there. And he told his disciples early on, he was like, uh, I'm going to be put down and three days later, I'm going to, I'm going to come back. And I, I can only imagine as one of the disciples though, you're like, I think, okay, I think Jesus has been, he had him. I think he's had a few, you know, like <laughs> did he turn some more water to wine? We didn't see, you know, like uh, the, having this moment, like, I don't think they comprehended that. I don't think so either. I shared this yesterday, but I, I think probably the disciples were as giddy as anyone thinking this was their moment oh, yeah. for oh. salvation from the Romans and, and thinking this was it. I think even after three years of being with him, they had no idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think of my own life and I've, I followed Jesus for the majority of my life. And there's, I think I'm more like the disciples now, even in my faith journey now, I'm like, oh, it's time. We're about to, we're about to be the people. And God's like, yeah, that's not what I came to do. I, I didn't come to overthrow your government. I didn't like, I, I came to save humanity. And there's a big difference in those two things. Yeah. Well, and again, like, the, like the disciples, the people, the like they were getting exactly what was promised. Just again, not what they expected was going to happen. Right. Which give, give me the line again yesterday. That that was such a good sticky statement of the message. Um, I don't want to script the verbiage of it though. We posted it online last night too. Do you have that in your notes? Uh, so Jesus is the Messiah, and the people are about to get exactly what they are promised, just not what they expected. That's it. Getting what they promised, not what they expected. Yeah. Um, that is such a powerful line. Um, because how often do we? I, you know, you talked about expectation yesterday. I mean, we, we moved to Arizona in June. You talked about that yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and I got I, a lot of comments about I, that. I remember, <laughs> I remember my family getting out of the car looking at me like, what have you done to us? Yeah. Like, we're melting to a sidewalk. And I'm like, I, I get it. But it's, it's dry heat, even though I'm sweating really wet right now all over my body. So <laughs> interestingly enough, my move to Arizona uh, was very different because I moved to Arizona in November and they were in oh, the middle of monsoon season. That's the best month. Of and the, so I showed up year. and it was cold out. Like I pulled in at night and it was cold outside and I had to go put a sweatshirt on to unload the truck. And then the next morning it was raining. And I was like, I, I like this place. See, that would have nice. That would have made me more mad because I'm like, I and left, then three months later, I left the Midwest and I'm like, I don't want cold anymore. Yes. So when I got here and it was 108, I was like, <laughs> bring it. Like, I'm so happy right now. My back feels good. Like I can twist and move and, you know. And I am always a little annoyed in winter because I think this isn't what I signed up for. Yeah. See, I felt that way when we got snow for like three hours really a couple of weeks ago. Sometimes. And people, I was like, are you, people are all here. They're building little snowmen. And I'm like, this is stupid. 
Like I'm looking at my back patio. Like, this is the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Why is there snow on a cactus? That's not. <laughs> nobody warned me about this stuff. The, then, f- the funniest thing is Arizonans. Uh, when it's like 65 out, they have like park. Oh yeah. And boots, you know? My first all staff meeting here um, when I got the job was last January, and we headed out in the cafe. Were you here for that mm-hmm. one? And I kid you not, Glenn looked like Nanook of the North, man. Like he was just, he made him bring a heater out. And, uh, and, and Cindy, she was like in a North face. Like I thought she was going skiing. I was like, are, are you going somewhere after this? She was like, it's cold. I'm like, it's 66 out. Like, why are we, why are we wearing snow pants? Like, are we going sledding somewhere later that I don't know about? Uh, but it's true that if you've been here for a while, I grew up in this area. It's just such a, it's so funny to me. But now this winter, I found that I'm a little more cold. Yeah, your blood starts to thin out. It, do you remember when we were filming out at Aaron's house yes. last year? And we had this, we were filming at night. And in my head, I'm like, I'm in Arizona. Like, how cold can it be in the desert at night? Oh. Apparently, really. Really? Um, like, I had a moment. It was like 10 o'clock at night. We're filming in front of this massive, ca- beautiful cactus in his yard. He lit it up like a champ. Um, looked like a, a desert Christmas tree. And uh, and I I remember my feet were so cold. I got, I was staying at Bill and Mary's house, one of our elders. And I, my dad's got neuropathy really bad. And three hours I couldn't feel my toes. And I laid in bed. I, I was worried at one point. I was like, <laughs> the feeling's never coming back. Like I was, I kept wiggling my toes. I was like, I can't feel it. I'm like, why is this happening in the desert? I would understand it in Ohio right now, not the desert. See, my expectations were, um, yes. I got what I was promised. Arizona. Just not what you expected. Just not what I expected. <laughs> um, you didn't read the fine print. I did not read the fine print. and um, But I'm thankful for our Tucson weather over Phoenix weather. Uh, yeah, for I, sure. I, Phoenix, Phoenix is brutal. Phoenix in the summer is hell. Like I, yeah. I, That's why right there, if you, if you live in Phoenix and don't know Jesus, I just want you to understand, you're getting a glimpse of all of eternity <laughs> If you're not happy with what you have right now, yeah, 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 it's gonna it's, get worse. It's gonna get worse. It's gonna get a lot. worse. I know worse. it's hard to imagine, yeah, but it will get it worse. It will get worse. Um, you know, 115 is nothing compared to what you got coming. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but I, I just think that like that whole expectation versus what is really promised. How, how do you see that play out? Obviously, the moving Arizona is a funny illustration. I totally yeah. resonate with that. But how do you see that play out for you day in and day out with your faith journey of Here's my expectation. And I think we're probably similar in I, I can elevate expectation. Like I, yeah. I paint a picture in my head because I'm a creative and I like I can I can see it. And then when it doesn't happen the way I see it, I'm like, gosh dang it. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think this has a lot of implications in our faith. I, I shared this a little bit yesterday, but I, I think for me, when I really am honest with myself, and, and these are the things that we don't always share out loud or, or don't want to be honest about, I have a tendency to think that if I do the right things, uh, I will have an easier life. Uh, I will have a happy life, a, a comfortable life, um, that God will make things okay for me. And I, I think most of us kind of have that thought. Um, and so when life is hard or when we face challenges, sometimes I think we get frustrated because we feel like that's it's not what I expect or, or God, that's not even what I deserve. And, and we get disappointed by that. And I think certainly when we look at really experiencing some faith crisis, sometimes we, that's what's happening is uh, we have expectations on God and expectations on what our lives should be if we are followers of Christ. And, and they, don't, they don't match that. Yeah. yeah. So you shared a story that's been really near and dear to our church's heart. Um, at the end of yesterday's message, um, yeah. one, of, one of our best difference makers here, um, incredible family, you know, Erica works with you and alongside of you and does life with you. Um, and, and she lost Jeff a couple of weeks ago, her husband, you, and you shared that in the message yesterday, tying that into communion. Um, how do, how do people reconcile Rebecca? Like you look at that and Jeff was what, 56. Yeah. And, uh, you feel like it, there's a disappointment almost with God in that moment. Like, God, why yes. would you do this? Why would you let us go through? Why would you let my friend go through this? Um, I've also realized the longer I'm in ministry that death doesn't care what your age is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't care where your stage of life. Like, we think there's an order to death. Um, there's just not. Like, I've done funerals for infants, 10-year-olds, 50-year-olds, and 90-year-olds. And and you think, you know, there's a disappointment. Absolutely. And and so how, do you, how does our listeners reconcile that kind of disappointment? Like, you... Like I, I saw Erica yesterday, which was so good to see her here. Yeah. Um, there's got to be a disappointment, though, a little bit inside of her with God. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, and I, I think she has been, she's been very good. I, I think, I always wonder, like, how do people go through these tragedies without hope? And yeah. and I think I, I still sort of struggle with that because I think, and that is our anchor in challenges. And, and Erica has leaned on God and um, I'm really proud of the way that she's responded. But there's, there's no doubt that I, I think it can cause us to ask some hard questions. And I think that's healthy and normal. I think we see that in David. Certainly he spent a lot of time asking God those questions. So I, I think we should ask those questions. But I think ultimately we have to understand that that God didn't promise us ease or comfort um, or a carefree life or a long life. He didn't promise any of those things. And so I think I think we have to reconcile that, that um, those are not things that God promises. Those are the expectations that we put on God. And and when we look at really what God has promised, he's He's so faithful yeah. to that. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you. I, I don't know how people do it without hope. I, I ask myself that, and I've done funerals for people that don't know Jesus, it's and a little awkward. It's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. And you look at their family and now, and, and people ask me all the time, how do you do that in ministry? And I'm like, my, my goal at that point is I can't do anything about the person that's gone, mm-hmm. but now I've got a room full of people that are not. Yeah. And so if God's going to work in that moment, it's like, all right, like, here's the opportunity. I, whether they want it or not, typically I'm going to preach Jesus at some point in that message because I know that's where hope is. Um, but even when you have hope, it's hard. Yeah, it, like, it is. I, I sat at that funeral last last Saturday and I watched a wife speak at her husband's funeral. And by the way, she was unbelievable. She, she did a great job. It, it was one of the most heartfelt, beautiful moments I've seen in 24 years of ministry at a funeral. It was unbelievable. Um, but at the same time, you you hear the hope, but you see the pain. Yeah. Um, and it's this weird, it, it's Jesus, right? Yeah. You, you see the hope of the cross but you also see the pain. Yeah. That's one of the things I think that gives me a lot of comfort that scripture says that we do not grieve as those without hope. It's not that we do not grieve. We absolutely yeah. grieve. And I think even looking at Christ on the cross, that's part of what's comforting to me around Easter is to recognize that in his humanity, he did experience grief. Yeah. Um, he experienced suffering. Um, and so we're not alone in that. Certainly um, Christ even experienced that. But I think, you know, re- just being reminded that we do grieve. We do grieve that we understand pain and suffering. We will understand that this side of eternity. There's no escaping that. But that we don't grieve as, as people without hope. Yeah. Well, and Jesus is a human grieved. I mean, when he went to Lazarus's grave, yep. um, and I think he grieved two things there. I think one, he grieved just for his friend. I think he also grieved the fact that he was bringing him back. Yeah. Because he knew he was going to die again. Like, Lazarus isn't still walking around. Like, we can't go be like, hey, man, you got resurrected. Good job. Like, you're still here. He was going to die again. And I think Jesus is mourning the law, like the fact, I got to bring him back to this place. Yeah. But for yeah, Jesus knows exactly where he's at. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he's like, he knows all these narratives. Um, But Jesus himself has a real, like, when Jesus weeps in John 11, um, he's weeping at the loss of a friend. And along with the sisters that he spent time with in Bethany, like these are his people. Um, it, it's it, it's what you guys experienced a couple of weeks ago. Like you you sat with a friend and wept and mourned. Um, Jesus sat with his friends and wept and mourned. Yeah. And you know what I think so complicated about all of that is um, when you think about Jeff, he he's not grieving. <laughs> <laughs> no. Right? Like that's the, that's the tension that we hold as, as Christ followers is that, that Jeff has hit the jackpot. Yeah. Um, that he has received his eternal reward. And I, and I can't imagine what he's experiencing, but this is not a sad time for him. No. He's been set free. And, and I think that that's what makes this beautiful, but uh, also incredibly hard because this side of eternity, our, our experience is going to be very different. Well, and we, we want to think that our loved ones are up there peeking over something and yeah. looking at it. They're not. I don't think so. Uh, I, I just, can't be. If you're in the presence of God, no. yeah. um, I just, one, I think it's funny too that we say they're up there. I'm like, I don't, I don't know where it's up or down. I just know, <laughs> I don't think there's fat babies peeking over clouds looking at us either. You know what I mean? Like, well, I, You know that old country song, uh, Holes in the Floor of Heaven? I don't listen to country, so no, but go ahead. Tell me about like it. Like it's 90s, 80s or 90s, I think. I I grew up listening you to could that. Have, you could have said yesterday. I got nothing um, for you. I'm good. There's that song, and basically the the line is like, his wife has died, but there's holes in the floor of heaven, and it's okay. He's telling his kids this. I don't buy that. Like, if you're in the presence of God and you're right. sitting, you, you can't look we, on this we anymore. S- we yeah. say these things to make ourselves feel yeah. better. Yes. It, it's like, and you don't, you don't want to tell people in their grieving moment, they're like, 
I just know they're going to be looking down on me the rest of my life. I'm like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> or they're like, my grandma is my guardian angel. And I'm like, I, I understand why you have to say that, but that's not, that's not even how angels work in scripture. Like we don't all have a guardian angel. Yeah. First of all, like you don't have like, there's not some guy named Jim following you around. That's an angel <laughs> trying to get his wings. You know, this isn't, it's a wonderful life that, you know, um, it, it, there's, there's none of that. And we, but we do these things to make our grieving feel better. Um, it, you know, and I, I don't, I don't understand all the spiritual realm either. Like there, you know, I've got people that, um, they swear up and down, like there's certain things that happen. They're like, that's gotta be my loved one giving me a sign. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. But it's kind of like when you buy a new car and then you see every car like yours on the road, yeah. you know what I mean? Like they've always been there. You're just all of a sudden seeing them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's how our mind works sometimes when we lost someone, it's like, I, I had a friend in, in Ohio and it was like, oh my, my dad really loved blue Jays. And every morning a blue Jay shows up on our back porch and that's dad. And I'm like, I, I don't think your dad's a blue Jay, but I think the blue Jay's probably been there. You just finally noticed the blue Jay. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do these things to make ourselves feel better. Yeah. And which is fine. Like whatever you need to do um, to, to deal with the grieving process. But I, I think the understanding, if you know, Jesus, you don't want your loved one down here doing stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, selfishly we want them here in person, but I don't want them as a blue Jay. I'm like, Dad's not. A blue, I don't want Dad to be a blue jay. I want him to be in the presence of God. If he knows Jesus, yeah, he doesn't need to be fluttering down here every morning to be like, "Hey, you all right? Cool. Yeah. I'm going to go back up there." Right. Like, I don't think that's how it's happening. Um, but that's our grieving process yeah. too. You know. Um, okay. Well, and even I was going to say, even in the garden, I I think you know we talk a lot about Jesus, um, crying blood. Uh, I I think that was grief. Me too. At, at what he understood he but was about to, to be, experience. Right? Yeah. Yeah, which actually, if you read medically, it, it's a condition of stress. Um, and, like, it's a real thing. It's like, you read that, and you're like, oh, that man, that's that crazy. Didn't happen. I mean, who's who's yeah. ever cried blood? And it's like, actually, that's there's real. a medical condition under stress and duress. Um, and I think grief does that. Yeah. Grief makes your body do some crazy stuff, you know. Um, and so does stress. Um, well, we've talked about pretty good heavy amount of stuff on the front end of this. Yeah. Um, Rebecca, you've been here now enough. You, you know what time it is. Um, <laughs> It, it's and we've got you've brought some stuff with you today yeah it's, you, you you were you seemed really sad last week when i had it and you didn't have it so i, I brought it for you i was really sad i mean i was sad you weren't here but i was more sad right that we weren't sharing the same coffee yeah um, so for it's the first de- time for it's depressing time. for me to come in here and make coffee without you here did we just become best friends <laughs> I think it's depressing because he has to make his own coffee. <laughs> I make it. I make it in my office every morning. I just like to clarify. I make it every morning in my office. Your your um, live-in barista is not here to make your coffee for you. It's just depressing in here. I, I just it's depressing in here. Uh, well, you're uh, okay. I want to point something out. Aaron is actually in the room right now, but he's not on the podcast this week. Um, but he just threw his hands up in the air like he's in here any other time I record. If he was in here while I was recording, I wouldn't be saying these words. But I sit in here by myself. All alone, and it it's depressing, and I have to watch you drink with your little barista set up behind you. And I mean, you have one behind you too. It's not. The it's same. the same stuff. It's not the same. It's uh, it's the same stuff. No, it's not the same. You can say whatever you want. It's not the same. I make my coffee in my office every morning. At least there's people over there. I can share my coffee with Sonia and Sonia. And I didn't stutter. We have two Sonias. Um, <laughs> I drink I drink my own. Uh, you know, but when I come in here, it's just not the same anymore. It was nice today. I'm sorry. I, you know what was nice today? I came in and Aaron actually made us some coffee. We it was really nice. It was nice. I mean. Which he actually ordered. It's from the same place that we're drinking from today. So we're trying true. two coffees. We, we are. Really uh, I drank that one really quickly. Yeah. I was, I'd missed good coffee in this room. So it was really nice to, at least one of my friends decided to make good coffee in the room. It was, it was good. I'm sorry. What you're drinking right now, is that not something that one of your friends made for you? One of my lesser friends that moved away from me and left me all alone and this room <laughs> you're gonna lose the devage cage so quick no i'm not no because then it'd have to be the frank tank and you don't want that uh, <laughs> uh so rebecca i i know you you've got a you got a spot in town you like you've talked about it a few times um yeah is that savaya is that uh, the name there, of there are a couple savaya is good um there is i i like hill house where's That's, hill house where's that at? i tried to get 
Dylan to go. Did you ever try? Yeah, I went before I left. Did you? Yeah. Okay. They just moved to... Try to get me Dang, to go. I was hoping there was a fight getting ready to happen. Yeah. I was going to be so excited. <laughs> well, I never heard the review. Oh, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed they, it. They do it a little bit different. They do coffee a little bit different, so check them out, Hill House. But um, they were a, f- a coffee truck. Now they've upgraded. They have a, a, a brick and mortar from space from on truck Kolb. truck to brick. Yeah. I think it's Kolb and, and 20 So seconds. you say they do coffee a little different. Yes. What does that mean? Well, I'm not as fancy as you guys. I don't, I don't know if I can describe it. But just just say what you told me. It's Well, it's cold brew, uh, but it's not espresso. So uh, they somehow, I don't know exactly how they brew it, but it's it's pretty much cold brew. That's their that's their shtick, which, you know, in Arizona, that works really well. That's yeah. all I drink. Oh, absolutely. Usually. What's funny is I drink more hot coffee in the summer than <laughs> anything here. It's, I like cold coffee. Uh, I have to use it sparingly, I think. Um, like one of my favorite things to do is make cold brew. I have a, a Hario pot at home that yeah. I can make cold brew with and yep. I'll make it and it'll last for maybe a week if I'm sp- like sparing with it, but I'll cut it with lime Topo Chico. Really? Yeah. And like put it on ice and it's actually really good. It's really refreshing. It makes it a little more like a coffee soda kind of. So you've been to Hilltop. Yeah. So what Hill was House. your Hill House? Yeah. Yeah, same thing. Hilltop, <laughs> hilltop, hill song, hill house. It's on top of something, right? You're if you're on a, if it's a hill house, it's on top of the hill. Um, what? So, what was your experience here? It was good. Um, it like again, admittedly, cold brew is not my favorite thing, um, but in moments where I like it, I if I still lived here, I could definitely get on board with going there pretty often. So, what did you find their process to be when you went? Ask again in a clarifying way. What do you mean? How did I find their process? Enlightening. What was the process that you saw they did to make their cold brew, Dylan? <laughs> I didn't watch the process. Um, I was actually on my way in here, and it was a pretty quick stop and go time oh, okay. thing for me. But I really just wanted to get to try the coffee because yeah. I hadn't done it before I moved. Oh, that's so. good. So uh, on a on a regular, if you had to pick your go to place in Tucson, Rebecca, where's your, where, where's the first stop you're going to make? Yeah, it would probably be Hill House. Okay, that's that's probably my go-to. I can I can tell you, it's cold roast is what they call cold it. Cold roast. That's what you cold yeah. Roast. Okay, that's a new term to me. Yeah, it is a new term. That's it what says, actually intrigued me. Yeah, it says, um, and and they're very fast. So that's one of their big things. They're very fast. You don't have to wait in line. Um, but uh, cold roast, it, they say, is a proprietary coffee. Uh, that balances the bitterness and acidity with rich notes of chocolate and cinnamon. Wow. Cinnamon. Yeah. I feel like anytime you use the word proprietary, you're trying to impress people. <laughs> but I, I I really believe they're like the only people that do this. Yes. I, okay. They uh, invented it. Yeah. So well, they get they to say. use the term proprietary. Yeah. Okay. When you look up actual the real name, you get the actual coffee shop. That's good. Um, <laughs> nope, that's not it. Why are you is, looking at dresses? I have no idea. Hill House Home. Don't go there. Or you can get some nice summer dresses if you check that out. I saw out. a good Easter dress. <laughs> You'd go good. I feel like you could pull that off. Go good on our Christmas card. <laughs> yeah, there it is. There you go. Um, cold roast. I, that's kind of like, um, there's a winery. There's a lot of wineries, but a winery in Ohio that did um, uh, ice wine, where they actually take the grape off the vine when it freezes. Um, that's how ice wine is made. Um, I kind of feel like... I don't, I'm making this up, but cold roast feels like the beans frozen and they take it off and roast it. Well, I, I don't know. It's intrigue. Okay. I if, any, if anyone's listening to this podcast from here, from Hill House, uh, we I don't know why on earth you would be, but we're really <laughs> we, glad you we are. We could tag we, them on Instagram. We would love to have you on the uh, show and not give away your proprietary information, but just, just walk us through the process. Hey, I'm sold right now because I got a drink called the Kraken. And I, 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 any drink that feels like it could attack me from inside of it, like you, you fancy yourself a kraken. I do like a kraken. I'm not gonna lie. Um, oh, they got the process right here. Step one. It, it says. Why don't that, you walk? Why don't you I'm, walk us through the process? I wish we had some music to back this because it would be perfect. Uh, <laughs> hey, can you do that in post for the very first time ever? Put a really Just nice add in like, some music. Yeah, a little background. Um, but step one is our custom roast. We capture a balanced blend of acidity, bitterness. With no, you read this right. Um, step two, they steep the coffee. Can be done in many ways. Only one way works for Hill House. Proprietary. Uh, they didn't say it. it's a proprietary way of doing it. I don't even know what that really means. Uh, step three: you enter cold roast coffee that saves you time, so you can live more. Um, you don't tell us how you do it. You just put some pictures up and said this is our. Come on, Hill House, do better. Give me a better. I need you to now. I need them on the podcast. It's, yeah, it's it's proprietary, Trevor. <laughs> They're not going to um, give it all away. You can you can tag them on Instagram. Dylan, I'm going to tag them. And, Please do. Uh, they the the two guys that own it, great local guys, and uh, they know me. So oh, um, just 
Yeah. So if we I'm going to name drop, name drop yeah. Rebecca yeah. and be like, listen. They, every time, they may not know my name, but they know me coming and they, they know my order. Where, so. where is this on Tanker Verde? Well, it used to be at Tanker Verde in Catalina, but they're moving because they did get a brick and mortar. It's right by Bear Canyon Pizza is where oh, it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. But they just moved because uh, they bought a, a brick and mortar. It, it used to be a restaurant. I'm trying to remember the name. Um, but they're moving into a space, uh, I think, at Colbin 22nd. Nice. Oh. Yeah. That's a little closer to over here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's not going to be far. Well, I may have to go... Uh, there's some good coffee coming over more towards the east side. That that makes me yeah. happy. It makes me really happy. Okay, so what are we drinking? We're drinking from uh, necessity today. It is, it was is this what you were? Is this what you were drinking last week? It is. Now we're just doing it again, except together. Yeah, I like that. Okay, I mean, so you, here's got, the deal. you got excited about it. I, so. I did, and when you opened the bag and bro, right away. So the tasting notes on this are cranberry, red wine, and nougat, like in a three musketeer nougat. Yeah. nougat. Yeah, nougat. Ted nougat. No, that's nougat. <laughs> that's not nougat. Nope. Sorry. Um, I, right away, I actually caught the the red wine and cranberry notes. Like you could smell that almost fruitiness. Well, Aaron uh, and stuck his Aaron, nose in the bag and was yeah. like, "I smell the nougat." He literally stuck it in the beans. He had his nose in the beans. Um, but he's, he's trying a different way to ingest his coffee. Yeah, yeah. Actually, inhaling it by bean straight through the nasal cavity. Uh, <laughs> he's doing lines of coffee in here right now. Um, uh, it's but full bean, like not not ground. <laughs> it's just full bean. Um, and the good news is it comes back out your throat, and you get a, you get a second taste of it. Um, that's we're, our. We're starting our own roasting process. It's proprietary. It's our proprietary way of doing coffee. Um, uh, but it. <laughs> I like that. I can't wait till he's on the podcast. Like we finally got him in the room for one. He's going to be on a microphone next month. I was just going to say, I wish we had video camera of Aaron right now. Yeah. Shaking his head. Unfortunately, he's got a video camera of us yeah. and taking taking video. Uh, <laughs> it's just blackmail footage. Yeah, it, that's all it is. Uh, but this is really, really good. It's really good. Um, so good you didn't even give Rebecca any. <laughs> I'd already started Weird. and then I realized that I didn't, so I'm sorry. Um, but I am staying with you and Chris, so okay. I'll, I'll, I'll bring that's you not, some. That's not the same as on podcast. How are you going to do that to a guest? Well, you think she's been here three times now? You don't have to try. I mean, here's the thing. I'm kind of used to making coffee for myself now because I I do it remotely. Well, you're kind of a guest on the podcast now, being in the room. Like, you're you're a guest in the room today. Uh, So, I mean, this is so much fun. I got multiple people in here right now. I don't even know what to do. It's like, you know. um, I know. It's like you're watching a ping pong match. It it is. I'm like back back and forth. forth. It's kind of fun. Um, This is really good coffee. Um, I would put this, this one right here, I... I well, you asked me last week where it compared against James. I, I, would, I would agree with your assessment. It's like right there. I would agree. Um, I would put it in top three of the year. I, I told you, I think I might have told you offline last week. Um, I know it's only April, but this is my favorite coffee of the year. Yeah. And we're going to see, I mean, obviously, you know, several more months to go, obviously. But I want to see what else. What else because I, You said several more months. It's April. <laughs> There's a lot of more months. Um, well, eight more yeah, to be yeah, I mean, specific. But yeah. Did you say Pacific? specific i'm from say, the Pacific. i was gonna say you're living out in san diego all of a sudden you got very pacific on us um no i i actually really want to see so they're a brand new shop i want to see what else they produce uh throughout the year and obviously there's a lot of other roasters that we try but this could very well be my favorite for the year uh, that's strong exo here locally is probably at the top of my list right now didn't you say you were going to take me while while i was here yeah we'll figure it out yeah if you stay here long enough if not i'll i'll, I'll, I'll leave on easter you have between now and Easter. Gee, we have nothing going on the week of Easter. I'm, I'm really pumped. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, it's We're going to go on an egg hunt. And <laughs> By the way. Speaking of, uh, yeah. speaking of an egg hunt, we are going to do a giveaway. Yeah, we are. So uh, we'll post a picture on Instagram if you follow us on Instagram. Um, and if not, you should. What are, we give, what are we giving away? We're going to give away a V60 setup like we did last time. Yep. And a bag of coffee from Yellow Brick. Wow. Well, so follow, follow the Yellow Brick coffee. Be good. Sure. Make it our Wizard of Oz giveaway. <laughs> Put it in some ruby slippers. Um, no, you could bedazzle it with some <laughs> some red sequins. Come on, man, Think creatively. You I are, can't see them. Yeah, that, well, that's true. Oh, I forgot your color, but we haven't made a colorblind <laughs> joke in a while for you. I I, I lobbed that one up for you. Yeah, you, you actually teed that up pretty good. So, uh, like Aaron's wearing a shirt with <laughs> that you probably don't understand. It just looks like mountains to him, <laughs> uh, but it's it's actually our our listeners have no idea what you're talking about That's because fine. you're you're babbling now no actually they don't see the shirt this is why this is why apparently people listen because <laughs> we make zero sense whatsoever um, we did get a voice or not a voicemail uh, last week but a comment on the episode uh we asked do you miss nap time that was we, last week we, we asked that question we did 
Was I taking an app when we asked that question? Because I don't remember that question. Uh, Carlos commented and said it should be mandatory for all high schoolers on up to adults. A 10-minute power nap does wonders. Mm. So are you a power nap person or are you like if – because Melissa nah. is. Melissa is a power nap person. She will take a 10-minute power nap and come out better on the other side. If I take a 10-minute power nap, I'm angry. I don't take a 10-minute power nap. It turns into a nighttime. Right. Like I, I, I What about you, Rebecca? Are you a, you a power napper? Uh, yeah, I can. Um, I'd say about 20 minutes. I can't, I can't, it doesn't perfect. do enough. It takes me, it takes me 20 minutes to fall asleep. Aaron's raising his hand over there. I know he's not on the podcast, but why don't you yell? Just yell. 20, 20 minutes. minutes. I, I feel like I've always said if I could just lay down at two o'clock and take a 20 minute nap, I think the rest of my day would be better. It, it is. Yeah. Cause that's when you hit your wall. But how, do, but how do you, like, it takes me 20 minutes to get out of my head enough to take a 20 minute nap. So now it's 40 it's minutes. It's a 40 minute nap. Um, it's not really, it's a 20 minute wind down and yeah. a 20 minute nap yeah. and then a 10 minute recovery after your nap. Yeah. Which then I need another cup of coffee, which then now I'm going to be up till midnight anyhow. So well, I'm like, it's, it's funny that you say two o'clock because around two o'clock, two thirty is when I'm making my second cup of coffee. So I'm just like completely fighting against the nap. Well, and for me, here's what I've learned. Like I'm in the office at seven, seven fifteen. Um, and then I go to the gym at like three and go work out and then go home, have dinner and finish up any work that I, that I just want to do in the evening. I'll go to my back patio and do it. Like tonight I'll go work on the message for two weeks from now. I'll go work on tonight. Um, but I, I found now I'll go to bed at, cause I don't sleep more than four or five hours a night anyhow. So I've never, which I always admire eight hour a night people like that would be fantastic. I've always wanted it, never get it. Um, but I'll go to bed at like nine 30, 10 o'clock now. And I'm up at, Three three thirty. I'll lay in bed, try to force myself to take a twenty minute power nap till four yeah. or four thirty, um, and then I just get up and I start my day. But I, it's just this weird cycle. If I took a nap in the middle of the day, I'd be so jacked up. I can't do it. I, I want to. It sounds fun. So if you're if you're a listener, and you do leave us comments, just yeah. know we read them. So and we engage with so them. So you're you're a napper, or you're not a napper. I'm not a napper. I'm not a napper. You you could nap. Yeah. Melissa Absolutely. could nap. Aaron could. Aaron nap. can nap. Um, my wife won't nap. She, if she's napping, she's sicker than a dog or just can't move. Um, here's what I've learned too. Sundays. I don't know how you are after you preach. Like I'm like a drunk orangutan when I get home on Sundays. And, um, I used to, I used to lay down Sunday afternoons and just veg out. And, but here's what I learned. If I do that, I don't sleep Sunday night. And then Monday, Tuesday are like pulling teeth to get me to do anything. So now I just start doing stuff Sunday afternoon. Like I usually go play golf with the buddies or something Sunday afternoon and just, or something outside, get out, go for yeah. a walk. And yeah, Glenn told me that one time. He goes to the gym after, and I was like, that's I've, hardcore, I, Glenn. I've, but then I was like, I kind of understand it because you got a lot yeah. of I've tried, energy. I've tried the gym a few times, and which I like. It actually causes me to push through all that unused energy that I got to get out. Yeah. But now I'm like, if I'm going to do that, I'll just go to the golf course, hang out with some dudes that I normally don't get to hang out with during the week. Like yesterday, I went and played golf, even though I didn't preach yesterday. Uh, non-preaching days are harder for me than preaching days because um, I do more on campus. Um, but it's the same energy, just in a different spot. Yeah. But yesterday, I went out, a couple guys from a church, got to hang out, play some golf. Um, and it's mindless. Like, I don't think. I just go do something. Uh, but I know if I went home, I'd fall asleep for like five hours, and then I'd wake up and be like, oh, cool, I'm up till tomorrow. Great. That'll be fun. Um, and then I got to drink a lot of this the next day, and which isn't horrible. Uh, by the way, you've this, got a cool mug. I, I do. I got it from Scott the Painter, who is the artwork that we use for our Good Friday experience. He's, he's the artwork? Well, he's the artist for there the artwork. You, you know what I should, Shut up, man. Go back to San Diego. Um, <laughs> go get the DeVage game. You're going to cry. Wait, hey, here's yeah. a little plug. I, I've been trying to get him to our church for a long time. Maybe really? You can, maybe you can pull the trigger. Scott the Painter. Actually, him and I have a mutual friend. Um, a guy named Blaine Hogan is a good friend of mine. Blaine's an artist. Blaine was, uh, he was with To Write Love on Our Arms for a little while. He was on Prison Break, um, season one. Um, and I saw on Instagram last week that Scott the Painter was with Blaine. And I was like, wait, why do y'all know each other? And they're creatives through the wazoo. So I've got an in now. Like, I will call Let's Blaine. Do it. I, li I like what you just did there. That's, That's good. That's good. And I need him to do a tattoo for me anyhow. Uh, so. Yeah, me too. Um, I, and I don't want to use the stock artwork he's already got because a lot of people have done that. Um, well, and I want to say this too. I preached a message once and reached out to him and asked if he would let us use his artwork and he was fantastic yeah. about it. He was really, he seems really like a really good dude. Generous. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, you know what you want to talk about thought provoking, challenging just on social media. I don't know yeah. him. Uh, I don't know where he stands theologically. I don't really care. Um, at this point, like I just, I, he loves Jesus and he's doing some really cool creative stuff, Amazing. but he will challenge your thought too. He mm -hmm. will actually challenge thought on 
things you think you believe or know. And I, I like that. I think some people get scared of that. I, I kind of like that. I love it. I, I think like, it's good to ask questions. Absolutely. I think it makes you understand your faith yeah. better. Um, by the way, this is what good coffee does. Just sparks, sparks conversation. Good, yeah, sparks good conversation. That was wavelength right there. We Spark. Who would have... All right, I'm getting us out of here um, before we start using finishing each other's sentences really big. Um, but I like coffee time. Coffee time is good because we, we talk about coffee, but we just sometimes just, like everything else, we randomly it's talk random. about good stuff. Um, do you, are you a coffee everyday person? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Now, do you do you make your own coffee every day or do you go get it? Uh, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll drink it from home, but um, I, I like to get it. I'd say about 50% of the time yeah. I go yeah. out. Yeah, that's good. It's not bad. So we got some stuff coming up this week. Really? Yeah. You're in town, so obviously there's something going on. Because <laughs> uh, you don't just randomly show up. So That's not uh, true. It is true. Uh, when have you randomly showed up since you left for San Diego? Every week on Zoom. Yeah, that doesn't count. Sorry. I show up all the time. Yeah, or that's not true, but that's okay. Um, what do we got going on there, Mr. Communications Guy? Uh, Easter. Easter is like now yeah we're I mean, in holy week it, we are there it is sunday um it's this week is nuts so easter and our good friday experience we were just talking about scott the painter yeah uh, so that's a really good segue into that um our good friday experience is a self-guided thing it's going to be from 7 a.m to 7 p.m on you guessed it friday yeah, which is and, good and it's not a 12-hour experience you, you just, don't have to be there for all 12 you, can, you can come and spend as much as little i had somebody <laughs> yesterday go that's a really long experience. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, it's like some people who thought the 24-7 prayer experience was they were going to be here for... For seven days. For 24 hours a day. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. That's, and not, there were some people that I saw every day. We're not, yeah, well, that's true. Um, <laughs> none of them worked here. That's what's interesting. <laughs> um, no, it's it's an unbelievable guy. And I think we're adding a little more to it this year in experience. Yeah. And um, I, I just see... I had a dream last night about this thing morphing a little bit for next year, and uh, which is... I don't know if it was a God dream or I just... Fever know, dream? I ate a little extra burrito. I, I don't know. Um, but just the experience, I, I think it's a really cool experience. Last year was really cool. Yeah. Um, when was it? It was last year the first year we did that? Yeah. Yes. It, it was really cool last mm-hmm. year. Um, and I, I flew in like a couple of days before that and was here. It's kind of nice. I can just drive home now. I don't have to fly here. We're just trading um, places. That's all. Yeah. Trading places. That'd be a good name for a show. Um, and, and so we, uh, we just, I love how it, one, we've got a bilingual piece to it. So mm-hmm. we've got stuff in Spanish and in English. Um, and, and bring a friend, bring yourself, bring a coworker, bring, bring your family. It's, it's family friendly. You can guide through the whole experience. I, the coolest for me was watching, uh, last year I watched a dad with his kids walk through and they read each of the things together and prayed together and they went in a corner. I think we had communion set up yeah. last year. Um, and so just a really, really cool experience. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, that's going to be really, that's going to be really cool. Yep. Um, then Easter, like that is, that's I can't believe it's here. Yeah. Well, I Rebecca feel, kind of like touched on it a, a little bit at the beginning of this episode, and I, I just want to echo back to it a little bit. Um, just as we kind of like, obviously we're in this week now, and by the time you're listening to this episode, it's yeah. Wednesday. Uh, but just like do something intentional this week. Maybe that's the Good Friday experience. Just like kind of start preparing your your mind and your heart for for Easter Sunday, because yeah. like Rebecca said, we're really good about it um, for for Christmas. I think. And that's part of the commercialization of Christmas. Like you, you, you start thinking about Christmas in October, um, but, but I mean, I've seen the Cadbury egg commercial. That's they're back, twenty five years old with a line at the end. Which, like, by the way, Melissa loves. And I'm, I'm like, they could change it. That commercial came out when I was a kid. They could change it. Yeah, just something different. Yeah, they've added an animal. Did they? Yeah. Oh, well, it doesn't. I match. stand correct. It doesn't match the rest, but it, <laughs> it's kind of like the head you put of yourself on the body in our Christmas card. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't quite fit the rest of the theme, <laughs> but, it, but it's okay. Um, they tried. Yeah, but uh, Easter is coming. Yeah. Um, We're going to have uh, several different experiences uh, for you to, to show up for. I counted up. We've got 10. That's a lot. We've got in-person here at our, our Houghton location. We've got 7, 9, 11, and 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Revive, our bilingual service at 11 o'clock. All of those are live streamed. Yep. Um, then we've got Gospel Rescue um, Sunday night, and yeah. we've got the 6 p.m. service. But who's counting? Uh, apparently me. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got we've got all that going on. So there's multiple ways for you to engage. Uh, Rebecca, which which one are you coming to? Well, uh, I was encouraged to not come to nine or eleven. 
Thank you. So, <laughs> <laughs> notice that she didn't say I'm coming to seven or one. She to. just said I, I was, was encouraged <laughs> not to come so, to those. I think I'll be probably at the one. Yeah. 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 Um, we've also got baptisms this weekend, yeah. um, which is like a really special weekend. If you've been thinking about so getting cool. baptized, like Easter Sunday. Yeah. Like not to minimize any other time, but there's something special about that Easter yeah. weekend. Absolutely. And uh, really cool. Darian Sanders sent me a message this Sunday and he was like, today's my, my birthday for my baptism. He got baptized on a Palm Sunday. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, and so I was like, Oh, happy birthday. You know, it's a, uh, but I think there's something about tacking that into like we did them Christmas this year too. And I think there's something about that Christmas and Easter that there's just something really cool to celebrate alongside of yeah. that. But I, I can't remember the numbers like 26 or 28 people have already signed up to be baptized. That's awesome. Um, and so I'm, I'm really praying that we see a hundred people at least come to know Jesus on, on Easter this year. Uh, I just think it's going to be a really cool moment. Yeah. Uh, I know a buddy of mine that I played golf with yesterday, um, him and his new, uh, he's, he's almost 70. He's got a, uh, his wife passed away cancer like eight years ago. Uh, met a new lady at Pantano in January. Snowbird. He's a snowbird from Illinois. And uh, they've been dating since January. They're both getting baptized on Easter Sunday. That's awesome. At the 7 a.m. service. Um, that's amazing. He was like, are we doing baptisms all services? I was like, that's typically how it works. And um, so they're getting baptized at the 7 o'clock service that's on so Easter. Cool. So I'm like, that's just really, really cool. And uh, those kind of stories never get old to me. No. Ever. Um, so what's coming post-Easter? Uh, Rooted is launching in May, like right, I think first week of May. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's actually pretty close. Yeah. So if you've not signed up for Rooted, make sure you do that. Um, Several different groups you can choose from. There's an yep. online group that's really cool. Uh, me and our digital ministry director, Robert, actually hosted that group uh, a couple of semesters ago. So that's a cool one if you're not local. Yeah. It, it's it, Or even if you are local and just want to do it online. Yeah. If you don't have the margin to get somewhere, yeah. but you can do it from home online. Um, we started a brand new series the week after Easter. Uh, called Winning the War on Your Mind. That's and a cool one. Yeah. If you've ever dealt with uh, anxiety, you've dealt with any kind of mental health stuff, like this is going to be a series that y- you're going to want to lean into, which is probably everybody. Um, it's kind of your field. Like it <laughs> you, is. You live yeah. in this world. Uh, so uh, I would I would argue this is one of those series, not only for you, but most of us have friends that are struggling through stuff. Yeah. And um, this is just going to be a really, I think it's going to be a real practical, but a really in-depth series on how to deal with winning these, these wars in our mind. And it, it's not going to be like this trait, like just love Jesus more. Like uh, I hate when that's the yeah. the stock answer because people have some real legit stuff that needs to be dealt with. And yes, Jesus is the answer. Like I don't hear me say anything out, outside of that, but there's a lot of other ways that we can win the war in our mind. Um, and we need each other and, and that's a big part of it. So um, I'm really excited for that series. It's, it's going to be really, really good. Um, I've actually got a good friend of mine, one of my mentors, Drew Sherman, who I worked for for 10 years in Dallas. He's actually going to come in and speak in that series in May. And um, you don't want to miss it. It's it's going to be really, really good. Um, so what else you got? Anything else? Uh, GLS. GLS. Um, Global Leadership Summit. Yep. Um, you proud of me? I am. That's good. I got it. It right. took you a second. Yeah, it did. Because I was thinking, we got something else with an acronym. And I was like, I don't want to screw it up. Um, <laughs> I, I tossed that to you. And I wanted to see how long it would take you. And I'm proud of you. Thanks. Thanks. It's yeah. Monday. Thank you for doing that yeah. to me. Uh, GLS, <laughs> Global Leadership Summit. Uh, Rebecca, have you attended GLS in the past? I have a few times. It's a great event. Um, give, me, give me your plug for GLS because I, I can give the plug. Dylan can give the plug. They expect us to, but you, yeah. you, even though you're an insider, you're, you're still far enough in the outside world yeah. that you can put a plug into that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, this is just a, a shout out to GLS is um, they have the most female speakers of really? any event. That's awesome. Very little known know fact. That's interesting. So if you've been on the fence about supporting GLS, I think that's that's kind of a, a, a cool thing that yeah. they do. They, they work really hard to make it equitable. Um, but I think as a person who is a leader who owns a business, the, the information that you get at the GLS is invaluable in terms of just leveling up your leadership, um, your ability to coach your team and manage well. Um, and so just to be a healthy leader, I think every year I feel like I get more resources, more tools, more support, and, and some real tangible things that you can walk away with that you can start to implement right away. Yeah. Well, and I love that as a business owner, you're saying that. Not as a Pantano person, but as Absolutely. a business owner. Uh, how many staff do you have? Uh, I think we're about to 15. Okay. Um, I mean, that that's a sizable 
that's not yeah. just a small business. That's a business. Like that's, that's a, that's a pretty good sized business. Um, you're talking multiple staff, multiple yeah. people that you're dealing with. Um, and I'm guessing each of them see a pretty sizable amount of people throughout yes. a course of a week. Yeah. Um, and, and like we've got our school district, uh, Vail schools where my daughter goes, we've got their administration coming. We've got principals, vice principals coming, um, anywhere that you're a leader, this is, this is a place I would say, get your team to, yeah. um, if, if you need help with that, let us know. Like it's, I think it's worth the investment for your team. Um, but we've got all sorts of ways to help teams out, to be here, to be a part of it. Um, but I love hearing your perspective as a business owner, because I think that, um, that's a different perspective than what we even bring. And, uh, and it's a great two days. And the speaker lineup is always fantastic. It is. It, I, they get the best speakers. And people, what I think is really neat is they get people you haven't heard of, but once you hear them, you're like, oh, yep. gosh, they're well, amazing. And then, is it this year that Lencioni is going to be there, like uh, Patrick Lencioni? I love him. Uh, he's one of my favorite authors. I mean, every time I read something, I'm like, oh, this is going to be like everything. And it's like, dang it, how do you do it again? Like, it's fantastic. Um, and, and they've, like, Danielle Strickland's been there, who I know yep. you know, uh, yep. we know through Cal. Um that uh, might have been how I was introduced to her. Yeah. Uh, through the um, but they, stuff. they, I, I mean, Condoleezza Rice has spoken at this in the past. Yeah. I, I think the first year I went, Colin Powell Colin spoke. Colin Powell, I was going to yeah. say. There was I one year that, that. Uh, Pete Doctor from Pixar oh, yeah. spoke at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really cool. Yeah, I was, I was in the room for Colin Powell and I was like, man, how'd y'all, how'd y'all score that? Like that's, but they, every year they bring in the top of the, the top to come in and share about. And what I love is too, it's not just some like sugar stick. They come in and like, this is my thing. They come in and talk real deal stuff about leadership. And, and I think that's the beauty of GLS. And so if you're considering it at all, I would encourage you just show up. Even if you're like, I don't think I'm a leader. Actually, I think everybody is a leader. You just, maybe you haven't had that unlocked in you yet for how, how to lead the way that God's gifted you to lead. I think GLS could be a springboard to help Absolutely. you do that. Um, well, Rebecca, I know we ask this every time and you've shared this before, but you know what? It's a new season. Um, I think it's interesting every time we go into a new season, sometimes this answer changes. But yeah. um, if you could say one thing to our folks here at Pantano and you, you're, you're one of us, you're not, you're not like an outside voice coming in, you're one of us. Yeah. If there's one thing in this season that you would share with our, our, our church, our community, our listeners who are beyond our church, some of them, um, knowing that we've been talking about being difference makers, um, what, what would you give the advice to our listeners of here? If there's one thing you capture in this season, what would it be? Mm, that's a great question. Um, there's so much energy. I, I've shared this before on the podcast, but there's so much energy right now and so much momentum. Um, and I would say uh, w- one of the things that I think we can do to kind of continue that momentum is to serve. Yeah. We talk about d- being difference makers, and a lot of times we think about serving at Pantano, which is a, a great way to be a difference maker. I think there's a lot of opportunity to get involved in Tucson. I too. agree. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of nonprofits to serve. A lot of people need support right now. Um, I was talking to someone who runs a nonprofit, and, and she they have not bounced back from COVID uh, financially or with their volunteers. And so there are opportunities also, if you feel like um, you have a gift and even if you just want to show up um, and, and serve, there's so many opportunities and, and Tucson needs it. So I think that's a great way to really be the hands and feet of Jesus, to really serve our community well, to get to know some people and to keep this momentum uh, around this idea of, of being a difference maker. Yeah. And we, What's crazy is Pantano has seen so much growth in the last year and it's not because we're trying to give some like, here, here's $10 at the door. We hope you show up. I think people are really buying into this mentality of, we don't want you just to make a difference on Sunday. We want you to make a difference every day. Uh, we don't want you just to love Jesus on Sunday. We want you to love Jesus every day. We don't want you just to bring your neighbor on Sunday. We actually want you to start a relationship with your neighbor yeah. long before Sunday. Um, like I got neighbors in my neighborhood. I know you and Chris do as well. Um, the, and I'm sure in San Diego, you guys are starting to build that community as well. I got most of my neighborhood doesn't know Jesus. So I'm like, come over, come hang out on my back patio, do life with me. Um, I don't even tell them I'm a pastor usually to lead because yeah. that usually scares people away. Um, and then they get to hang out and get to know us and then it get, earn the right for the invite. That, that's, that's, that's just a t-shirt. It, it, it's been a phrase in my life for a long time of just earn the right for the invite. Because I think a lot of times we think, Oh, come to church with me. And people are like, why? Um, how about come to my house with me? Mm-hmm. Come to, or it, better yet, do you like Jesus? Invite yourself to people's houses. Jesus did that. <laughs> I'm He's coming like, to yeah, your house. I'm coming to your house for dinner. <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks, Jesus. Um, I've literally started telling <laughs> people, I'm like, I'd love to come to your house sometime. Have dinner. I'll bring it. You just open your house. And they're like, no, we'll make dinner. I'm like, even better. <laughs> um, I was just kind of saying that. So you would say that. Um, but I, I think you got to earn that right for the invite. Um, but I do know things like Easter and Christmas, those are times that are natural invite times that people are yeah. actually receptive to the invite. 
um, leverage that. Leverage that to get your friends, your neighbors, your your family members, coworkers, an opportunity in a front row seat to Jesus. Uh, I think those are always good weekends to do that. I have, uh, a, I have a cool story, yeah. too, Trevor. just takes a second. But uh, I have a friend, actually, that has come the last two Sundays from the gym. And I, I can't take any credit because it was actually another guy that invited her. Um, and it's been a, a really cool experience because she shared with me um, that she went through a divorce a couple of years ago and just stopped going to church. And uh, I, I think... Um, obviously she had some uh, experiences of God in that and, and was really struggling. And, um, this man just extended the invite and I think spoke to something just in her heart that was, that was like, I want to get, I want to get back plugged in. Yeah. I, I need to. That's really and so cool. I think sometimes people in our lives actually are waiting for that invite. Well, and I think if people in your life know that you're a Christ follower and that you're engaged somewhere, I wonder how many people are looking at us going, so do you not love me enough to invite me? Yeah. You know, I, I think that's the other side. I think sometimes we're like, ah, I don't want to infringe. I think sometimes they're like, so do you just not love me? It, you know, and it's like, well, why don't they just come then? Well, There's a surprising amount of people that if you would just ask. They would come. They would yeah. come. Yeah. It, it's amazing to me, like even being at the golf course, meeting people. And I'm like, hey, would you ever come? I'm like, sure. When is it? I'm like, well, typically Sundays. But I mean, um, we have other experiences you could be a part of. And uh, it's amazing to me how often they're like, sweet, give me the information. And they, they'll just show up. And it, it's it's so interesting to me that I think sometimes we're scared for, to make We get invite. in our own heads so Absolutely. much. Yeah. Which I think is the enemy. I think that's Satan going, they're not going to want to hear what you have to say. And so I, th- there was a phrase I used in a message a couple years ago, what if the what if? Like a lot of times mm-hmm. like, well, what if they get mad or what if they don't get, come? And I'm like, what if you just started what if in the what if and go, what if they do? Yeah. What if they do show up? What if they do get their life changed? What if things happen? Um, so this week, what if the what if? Get out there, change somebody's life, let them be a part of what you're a part of. Uh, you never know. You extend an invite, they may show up and hang out with you. Um, Rebecca, so good to have you on. I always yeah. love having you on the podcast. Like, Thank you. This is what I love. She understands the chaos of you and me, and she fits right in. She's just like, all right, cool, let's go. Um, we didn't even prep you this time. Like, well, I don't think we did any other time either, but we really didn't prep you this time. We're like, hey, just show up. You know how this goes. Uh, Dylan, really good to have you back in here. I mean, I know I harassed you a little bit, but it, I miss you. I uh, expect it. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. It's kind of like we're the two best but friends that anyone could have. More importantly, when is Melissa coming? <laughs> yeah, that's my question. She'll be here on Friday. What? Yeah. She's going to be here? Yeah. Oh, I'm way more excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm way more excited about that. Uh, Although we do love Dill. Uh, we we do. And uh, you're not little Dill on the screen today. You're you're kind of big deal. Oh. Yeah. It's good. Well, Not big deal. Let's let's make sure we... Uh, more you, like, said, you said it. More like pickle. Dill pickle, not deal. Like car dealership, right? Yeah, All right. Go. On that note, I'm going to get us out of here. Peace. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of The Make Podcast, where we're moving from Sunday takers to everyday makers. To learn more, head over to pantano.church slash the make. We can't wait to see you again next week.